Good morning. Welcome to everyone. Glad you're here this morning. I believe we must have some Sunday school classes that are not out yet, but uh, uh, they'll be out here in a few minutes, I hope. Uh, we're glad that you're here and we welcome you and hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way today as we worship the Lord together. We welcome our guests, especially this morning, and I uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. Uh, you are very important to us, and, uh, and we're glad that you are here this morning. Uh, if, you could, uh, if I could call your attention to some of the announcements that we have uh, for the upcoming week or so. Um, first of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets. Those are on the clipboard on each aisle. I'd like to ask if everyone would take that and to fill it out so we, they could, we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Also, uh, there will be a progressive dinner this Wednesday um, for New Year's, uh, and uh, there will be two places that people will be going. First will be our house uh, at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, and we'll celebrate the New Year together. So I hope you'll, you'll come in, uh, to our house at 6 o'clock, and then after that, I believe we're going to uh, Mark and Nora Hobson's house for dessert. So uh, that'll be a fun time. It's always a great time to uh, fellowship together, so I hope you can uh, join us for that. Also, uh, for church council and deacons, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that on January the 10th, the church council and deacons will, will have a little retreat uh, where we will be talking about the church census that we took a couple of months ago. Uh, and we've got results back from that, and we're going to be, uh, this will be a planning retreat so that we can kind of plan our our uh, ministries for the next year and, and even beyond that. And so put that on your calendar if you don't have it on there already. That's January the 10th, and we'll, it'll be kind of an all-day thing uh, that we'll be doing on a, on a Saturday. We're glad that you're here today, and we're here to worship the Lord. We're here to fellowship with God and to fellowship with one another. And so let's do just that. Let me invite you to stand up and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. Good morning, We are coming to your house. Yes, and my address, now we are, and the address is wrong in there. What is it? They got 11 on 2 and 11 on 3. Okay. Oh, you show up to somebody else's house? That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Hey, and we're at Food Game. Monty has food too. Yeah. And uh, I think it's my house. I'm going to have set up, but I'm going to give them a wrong number for all the game names for the plates and everybody's standing around the plants. And they said they like to play charades. Really? So I don't know if we would want to do that at your place. Thank you so much. Now, if you will join me for our call to worship that's printed in your worship folder, it's a responsive call to worship. We needed hope. We needed forgiveness. We needed to learn how to pray. We needed to know that you understand our hurts. You gave us everything we will ever need when you gave us your son. 
And so we remember that in that small village called Bethlehem, you made life worth living, the load lighter, and hope a reality when you gave us your son. Amen. says yes it is can y'all hear me all right a little I'll speak louder come on up did y'all have a good Christmas uh-huh Santa Claus good to you Jesus's birthday did you celebrate Jesus's birthday now what happens next week Maggie do you know what happens next week we start something brand new what do we start Anybody want to help her out? What do we start next, next week? What? School. Not next week. What? What? Oh. Do we start 2009? Yes, 2009. Look, I have all these cheat sheets here. You know what? Dr. Tim's going to talk about the presence of Christ. And the presence of Christ in your life gives, gives hope. And a whole lot more. Y'all know that? Everybody still got the Christmas tires. Yes. All right. 
I brought a picture to show you. Now, you guys know that Kelsey and da Jake's dad takes pictures. Ugh. I had to pull this one out of a trunk. Anybody know what that is? What? This is an eagle, okay? This is an eagle. It doesn't look like an eagle? Yeah, he took it like that. Yeah, he likes to do stuff like that. When you see a... When you... What? Oh, excuse me. Oh, look. Let's try that again. Wow. All right, you guys. All right. When you see a picture in your mind, is that a vision? Do you ever daydream? Uh-huh. What about when your mind wishes for something wonderful? Could that be a vision? Think of how God can use you to help other people. Now I want you all to close your eyes and think of a picture in your mind. Your eyes aren't closed, Maggie. There you go. Close your eyes. And think of a picture in your mind of how God could use you to tell others about Jesus. You might even dream about how God might use you to help him when you're grown up. All right. Everybody open their eyes. Anybody want to share what you thought of? Did you think of any way you could help Jesus or help others? Nobody wants to share. Y'all are making this very hard on me. All right, let's look at this eagle. When an eagle is flying high in the sky, it can see everything around him. He sees what's behind him, and he sees what's ahead of him. And as we trust in the Lord, he will give us new hope as we look at our future. Okay? He will show us things he would like to do on the inside of us. Just like an eagle. We can see the way he sees as he shows us plans he has made for us. So as we begin 2009, it's time for us to make a decision. When we tell God what we want to be like Jesus, we need to be ready for the changes he will make. He wants, to, wants us to be new creatures in 2009. Okay? And the Bible says, this is from the book of Isaiah... But those who trust in the Lord will receive new strength. They will fly as high as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weak. That's from the book of Isaiah. Just a little bit more. If you tell God we want to be like Jesus, he will give you a vision. He allows you to see clearly with your heart and your mind. When the eagle is flying high, he can see very clearly with his eyes. He can see all around and very far away. God wants you to give your eagle's wings. He wants to give you eagle's wings and eagle eyes in your heart. So your vision will come true because he has plans for you. He will help you do everything you want to do. Okay, does that make sense? If you pretend like you're an eagle and fly for God. So let's say one little prayer here. Heavenly Father, you can see everything that happens now 
and you know everything that will happen in the future. Prepare me to be the person you want me to be. Help me to see the plans you have made for me. Amen. Now, I have a treat for you, but you have to come up here like an eagle. So you have to put your wings on. You have to soar right up here to get your treat. That was a fast eagle. Oh, where are they? Oh, right here. little intro music to my scripture reading here. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter, 20, uh, chap- chapter 2, verses 21 through 35. Uh, this is after the birth of Christ and when Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to be dedicated at the temple. After eight days had passed, It was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord." And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples." a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let us pray together. We have come to praise you, O God, because like Simeon of old, we have seen your Messiah. We have celebrated the birth of of the Christ child into our world, and he has made such a difference in our lives. 
we have received the gift of Jesus' life, and we have come into this place to join our brothers and sisters in adoration. Our hearts are filled with your presence, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Praise be to God, our Savior, our brother, our friend, our Christ. Amen. pretty would you pray with me please again we come to you with grateful hearts this morning as we gather together in fellowship also it's a time when we reflect look back on a year lots of ups and downs and good times and bad times but we are grateful we are to this moment in this year and now as we look ahead
that we resolve that this story of Jesus be our mantra for the coming year and that we spread that word and together this church can be a, a beacon and a guiding light to this community. Again, we're grateful for all the many blessings and that you are with us here and every day. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Heaven is indeed in this house, isn't it? Because it is within our hearts. Have you ever looked forward to something and when it happened, it was so much more than you anticipated? When our goals are lofty and when our dreams call us to high ideals, we are sometimes surprised 
when they are actually fulfilled. Maybe this was your experience at the time of your marriage or at the birth of your children. We all have dreams that we live into. And this was somewhat like the experience of David Livingston, the explorer and missionary to Central Africa during the mid-1800s. Livingston set out to see what no other European had ever seen before, and what Livingston saw was so much more than he imagined. In his journal, he tells about his discovery of the great waterfalls, which he named Victoria Falls after Queen Victoria. He had heard from the natives that there was something up the river, but he was not sure what it was. He could hear the roar of the falls for miles away, and and he could see the spray for five miles. He said he could never explain the splendor that fell upon his soul when he looked on the falls for the first time. Suddenly, right before my eyes, the Zambezi River was a mile wide. It sloped slightly and then cascaded in a 400-foot plunge in a display of awesome splendor. He said for several minutes, the sight literally paralyzed him. He knew that something was ahead, but his discovery was far beyond his wildest imagination. Or can you imagine the awe experienced when Francisco Vasquez de Coronado first stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, overlooking the beauty and vastness of it all? It was so much more than anyone could ever expect. That was my experience the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. Oh, I, I, had, I had heard about it before. I'd heard about the Grand Canyon since I was a child. I had he- heard other people describe their experience when seeing it. And I had seen photographs of the Grand Canyon, but they were not adequate to describe what it was really like. It was so much more than I expected. And this is exactly what happened to Simeon in our scripture lesson for today. He knew the Messiah was coming, and he waited and prayed for that day to arrive. And he was told by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he would see the Lord's Messiah. So every time the parents brought Uh, any parents brought their, their children to the temple. He was filled with anticipation that possibly one of them was the child that he was waiting for. And then Mary and Joseph arrived at the temple, bringing their child, Jesus, to be dedicated according to the law. And Simeon, Now an old man took this child up into his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the peoples. What a moving scene this is. An old man, almost ready to die, holding a little baby, probably around six weeks old, who who is at long last the salvation of all people. 
You see, even though Jesus was only an infant, God was already at work in him, exceeding expectations. And that's the first thing that we need to see today. For you see, the joy of Simeon's discovery exceeded his greatest expectation. And I'm not sure that he knew exactly what it was all about, what it all meant, really. Honestly, I, I kind of doubt he really understood what was going on. That's the way it is with almost anyone who makes such a great discovery. I'm certain that Columbus had no idea of the magnitude of his discovery or that he was opening up a whole new world to the Europeans. And I doubt that it ever dawned on Wilbur and Orville Wright that they would be the pioneers of space travel. And in the same way, I doubt that Simeon understood that the child that he held in his arms was to have such a dramatic impact upon the course of all of human history. But he did know that something great and something significant was taking place. And he was a part of it. The fact is that Simeon was an exception because the first century world was not really prepared for the coming of the Messiah. It is true that the nation of Israel had anticipated the coming of the Messiah for centuries. In fact, the whole nation expected him. The very fiber of their stories and their art and their literature and their songs carried this theme of the coming Messiah for more than 400 years. But the birth of Jesus was still unexpected. Not as to his coming, but, but because of the manner of his coming. And also because of the meekness of his message. Even John the Baptist expressed doubts when he asked, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And the fact that John had such doubts is startling since he had been so close to Jesus. But his doubts grew from the fact that Jesus did not fulfill John's nationalistic expectations. For you see, John was expecting an aggressive Messiah. John was expecting a majestic and severe Messiah who would swiftly smash evil with a mighty sword. John was expecting a Messiah who would chase away all of the, the political foreigners from the land and bring political freedom from Rome and end the indignity imposed by the house of Herod. But this Jesus who came was not that kind of Messiah. He was the unexpected Jesus. They expected Messiah to come with fanfare, but he did not do that. They expected Messiah to bring political freedom from foreign occupation. Instead, he brought freedom from sin and guilt. They expected a Messiah who would dazzle them with miraculous feats, but instead he healed the sick and cared for the poor and fed the hungry. They expected a Messiah who would make life easier for them, who would lower the taxes, fewer taxes, increase uh, employment and bring down the prices. But he didn't do any of that. If anything, he made life harder for them. 
He talked about crosses, not crowns. He talked about his way of life being harder than everyone else's way of life, than the way of the world. He said that the entrance into his way of life is narrow and few would be able to truly enter into it. He talked about loving your enemy and forgiving the wrongs that others have done against you as God has forgiven you. He, and he said that those who do not leave behind everything and set their minds and their hearts on his way of life are not worthy of him. They expected a Christ who would be a smashing success, who would rise in power and sit upon a throne. But he didn't do that. Instead, he died a shameful death, the death of a criminal on a Roman cross. Yes, he was the unexpected Messiah because he did not fit into their scheme of things. They wanted a Christ that they could keep for themselves exclusively for their nation, but his was a salvation, a salvation for all people. No, Jesus did not come where men and women expected him to come, and, and I think the same may be true for today. He may not come today where we might expect him to come. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. We have a tendency to look for God to come to us in the bright spots of the world, in the creeds and in the cathedrals and in the stained glass and the beautiful music. But Jesus could be found in the shadows. Jesus could be found beside the, the pool of Bethsaida with the crippled and the diseased. He could be found feeding the hungry and touching the leper. I heard about a man who jumped in, into a cab in New York City and told the cabbie to, to take him to God. And without hesitation, the cabbie drove him to St. Patrick's Cathedral, which is a beautiful place with beautiful stained glass, and, and, and it's filled with inspiring sacred art, many wonderful depictions of Christ and, and, and the, the saints. And, and as the man got out of the cab, he asked the driver, are you sure that God is here? And the driver answered, if he's not here, he's not in town. Well, I wonder if it ever occurred to the driver to take the man to Bellevue or Harlem or Hell's Kitchens where the need is great and the suffering is severe. My friends, Christ is not just a mascot for a popular religion. Christ is a living presence in our world. And just as in the days when he walked this earth, he can still be found among those who are hurting the most. Christ comes to us as he did in the first century. He comes to us sometimes as a tormentor of men's and women's souls. You know, we can... We can feel quite satisfied with our lives sometimes, can't we? We can look at our lives and what we've accomplished and the good we've done and the, our status in life and we can feel pretty good about ourselves. That is, until 
we are confronted with Christ. Because you see, in the day that we are confronted with the Messiah, we discover that we cannot remain as we are. And so we must either change or hold Christ off at arm's length. Because you see, Christ offends our prejudices. Christ challenges our basic notions of life. He reveals the shabby respectability for what it is. And, and today, Jesus Christ is not just a figure of history who lived 2,000 years ago. And he is not a Christ in a stained glass window. And he is not eternally a little baby in a manger. Christ is a living presence in our life today. A life revolutionizing presence. And for many of us, that's just hard to take. But expected or unexpected, Christ came into this world. And because of that, the world will never be the same again. He came into the midst of life to share in the life that we know. As the Apostle Paul declared in Galatians 4, God sent God's Son, born of a woman, under the law. George Buttrick reminds us that Jesus knew our life. Like us, he was weary at nightfall. His tears were salty like our tears, and when he cut his hand, his blood was red like our blood. He was a tradesman who labored in his father's carpenter shop. He knew firsthand about irritable customers. And at times he found it hard to collect his bills and make ends meet. He craved human friendship. He shared in the anguish of parents over the death of their child. He suffered in the despair of the unemployed. He knew the plight of the poor and the shame of the outcast. He identified with the undesirables. He grieved over the stubbornness of men and women. He laughed <clears throat> with little children. He died bleeding, but not before he felt our ultimate doubt when he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was crucified, dead, and buried. The Apostle Creed's testimony to his humanness. There is no doubt that Jesus came into this world to share our lives. Folks, we can look at the bewildering and uh, terrifying conditions of our world today. And as we do, we can say along with the Christmas hymn, Jesus Christ was born for this. Now, this Christmas has not been the same for some of you. Perhaps a loved one has been lost, and that loss has greatly altered your life. I know that that's been the case for many of you here today, but listen to this. Jesus Christ was born for this. Some of you will leave here today and rush back to the side of an ailing loved one where you have been keeping a faithful vigil for days or weeks or perhaps even years but listen to this Jesus Christ was born for this 
For others, this year has been one of misfortune. Maybe there have been business and financial setbacks, and for still others, it has been a deterioration of a relationship with your family or a marriage. But listen to this, my friends. Jesus Christ was born for this. He is in the midst of all of these situations, giving us strength. I read about a fascinating conversation that took place on a conservative radio talk show a while back. The talk show host had just completed Tom Brokaw's wonderful book, The Greatest Generation. It's a book about uh, the World War II generation, and it's filled with wonderful, inspiring stories of the people of that generation. The host of the talk show had taken the position that the current generation of young adults are for, most, for the most part a bunch of whiners. <laughs> That's what he called them. He said that, that while they are constantly whining and moaning about the difficulty of their life, in fact, when compared to the hardships faced by their grandparents' generations, they've actually had it pretty easy. Their grandparents endured truly devastating events like the Great Depression and World War II. The current crop of young adults, he concluded, doesn't even have a clue about real hardship. Well, once the talk show host finished his monologue, a self-professed member of this younger generation called in to offer a different perspective. Bright and articulate, this 23-year-old caller said that while the Great Depression and World War II certainly created terrible hardships for the people who faced them, that he nonetheless believed that his generation faced an even greater hardship. And so the radio host asked, and what exactly is that? And the caller said, the loss of hope. The loss of hope. He said that his experience indicated that many of today's young adults had simply stopped believing that things were going to get better for them. They didn't expect to live as well as their parents had lived. They were not expecting a brighter future. They had simply given up hope. He said the Great Depression, as terrible as it was, in many cases brought families together as they worked side by side in the hope of saving their families. He said most of his friends grew up in families in complete disarray and have given up the hope of ever having a real family experience of their own. He said World War II was a terrible event that obviously cost thousands of, of American lives. And then he said, and even though they knew the risks, they still enlisted voluntarily by the millions because they saw it as a cause worth dying for. But most of those in his generation, he said, can't even imagine anything worth dying for. And they're committing suicide in record numbers because they can't even imagine anything worth living for. My friends, if you take a good close look at the world in which we live, you cannot help but to conclude that it is on the dizzy edge of despair. There are millions of refugees around the world who roam this earth no place to call home 
And there are more homeless people today than there ever have been before. Doubts and injustice and all the sinfulness of humanity afflicts us. Yet still, Christ's presence today is a blessing to us. Just as profoundly as it was in the first century. Christ's presence in our lives is as full now as it was for Simeon that day in the temple. Because the Christ of Christmas brings hope to the world. And so much more than that. Yes, my friends, the Christ that was born in that humble stable was not the Christ that people expected. He was so much more than they expected. He came to establish a way of life, not by force, as earthly kingdoms do, but by love, by selflessness, and by strength of character rather than strength of force. He came to offer forgiveness so that we may in turn be forgiving to others. And he came to give us strength to face the hardness of life when we feel that it's almost impossible just to put one foot in front of another. He came, my friends, to give us hope. And he came for you and me. And I just hope that each of us can say, along with Simeon, now I can live or even die in peace. For I have seen the Lord's salvation. A salvation which is for all people. That, my friends, is the hope of the world. And that's why Jesus came. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the prompting of God's Holy Spirit in your life. We're going to sing together number 121, Thou didst leave thy throne. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not the Christ that was expected. He was so much more. And he can be so much more in your life as well. This Christ is, has come to give hope to the hopeless. To give love to those who are hated in the world. To give encouragement to those in despair. To walk side by side with you in the hardships of life. That's. That's why Christ came to this earth. Maybe you need to make a commitment to Christ today. Maybe your life has just been a shambles and, and, uh, and you need that strength that, that God can give you. We invite you to make that commitment to Christ if you've never done that before. Maybe you just need to come and have a little time of prayer. Maybe life's just been hard for you and, and, and you just need the support of your, of your church family to pray for you and to pray with you. We invite you to do that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home. We invite you to come and unite with our church today as we sing together our hymn of commitment, number 121. Would you come?
prayer of our hearts that there's room in our hearts for you. Sometimes, oh God, we push things, push, push you aside with the busyness of our lives and we, we beg your forgiveness for that and we pray that, that you would be the center of our lives, that we would focus on you in everything that we do. We thank you, O oh God, for the example of Simeon who realized that the child that he held in his arms was the hope of Israel and the hope of all the world. And that child is our hope as well. Help us, O oh God, as we leave this place to go with the, the peace of Christ in our heart. Help us to go with the love of Christ and the hope of Christ that it helps us to endure and to, to move on and push on. Help us to go, O oh Christ, O oh God, in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our brother, our friend. Amen.